Coming up, I'm going to talk basketball. I'm not in a good mood. That's next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's, more specifically the McCrispy. Oh yeah, the Southern style fried chicken sandwich that's crispy, juicy, and tender perfection. I only found about, out about the McCrispy relatively recently. Let me tell you something. This is one of my weaknesses. I cannot resist these sandwiches. I like the extra pickles. You can, you can just say, you know what? Throw extra pickles on there. And guess what? They'll do it because nothing's better than extra pickles on a McCrispy. There are many many, many different chicken sandwiches, but there's only one McCrispy. Visit your nearest McDonald's today or order now on the very, very well done McDonald's app. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where we put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. David Chang and I broke down the movie Chef, which uh, has belatedly become a total rewatchable out of movies from the last 10 years. Not a lot of them that can just pop on cable these days and you can just throw them on at any time. So uh, Chang was unbelievable in this episode. He broke down all the restaurant, food, chef stuff you'd ever want to know about the uh, this movie and what it's like to be a chef in general. Go check that out. You should listen to Dave Chang's show as well. That's his podcast with us. And there you go. Coming up on this podcast, I only have one guest, Kevin O'Connor, KOC, Kevin O Paychecks, Kevin O Page Views, Kevin O Downloads, and he's going to try to cheer me up, but he won't because I'm disconsolate after the Celtics tonight. We're going to talk Nuggets, Suns as well. We're going to talk about the Warriors. What the hell is going to go on with them? Is this the end of the dynasty? Man, lots of storylines tonight. It's all next. First, our friends from Pro Jam. <laughs> All right, taping this 926 Pacific time. We thought we were going to be coming on right after a really good Phoenix-Denver game, which turned out to be a dud. Kevin O'Connor and I are going to talk about it in a little bit. We're going to start with uh, Celtics, Sixers. I've had a pit in my stomach all day, KOC. I did not fly back for this game. I did not have a great feeling about this game. I could tell immediately in the first couple minutes I went on Twitter and I was like, I'm out. I'm not tweeting anymore. So don't expect <laughs> tweets from me during this. Saving I, it for I the pod, huh, Bill? <laughs> I have a bad feeling. We're saving it for the pod tonight. Uh, but I'm going to go backwards. I went to the Lakers-Warriors game last night. And I was watching LeBron James in the second half where, you know, his stat line was fine. He was moving around okay. It wasn't like a legendary LeBron James game or anything. 
But as he kind of figured out what to do against the Warriors as that game went along, and especially realizing it was only Curry on the other side, how do we wear him down? I'm going to keep punishing him. Let me keep getting him in on switches. Oh, he's got Lonnie Walker on him. Maybe Lonnie Walker can... And just over and over again, just trying to wear down Curry and just the way his crazy basketball brain works. And I felt like mentally, he just kind of figured out the Warriors as the game went along and they were tough for them and they win. And then you watch that Celtic game today. No rhyme or reason, no cohesion, no toughness really at all. Philly, the one making the adjustments. Doc Rivers out coaching somebody in a playoff <laughs> series. The crowd seeing it immediately. And a team that just, the Celtics team that just hasn't seemed to learn from the last four games with this game, it was a, it was a disaster. It was an embarrassment. Let's start there. What what happened in your opinion to this team over these it last just, five games? What happened? It, it just feels like a culmination of everything you've been talking about on your podcast the whole year with a lack of adjustment from Missoula, a lack of feel with the rotation. Uh, then that the way the Harden and Embiid pick and roll just continues to pick apart Boston's defense, not changing matchups, not forcing Harden right. I mean, we've seen defenses over the years when Harden was him in his prime, the way they've shaded him like an extreme manner to try to force him right. We've seen so many creative, innovative defenses against Harden over the years. But Missoula and the Celtics defense has done absolutely nothing. And with that said, though, I mean, it's not just on Joe Missoula, a rookie head coach, and all the mistakes that have been made by him. Uh, I think it's just part of the infrastructure of this team that's been here for years, the frequency of which they've emphasized three-pointers. If you're not making, if it's one of those nights where you're cool for three, where Al Horford goes 0 for 7 and Tatum's 3 for 11 and White's 0 for 2 and up and down the line, like this offense just it ping-pongs the ball around. And like there's Marcus Smart last week said, oh, yeah, our offense is random. It's random and it's gross a lot of the time. And and tonight yeah. is one of those nights where it just feels like they're not running any set plays. And and that's been something, you know, even going back to Steven. So I, I don't directly blame Missoula there necessarily. It's just been part of this Celtics uh, personality for years now. And how much of that is due to coaching? How much of that is due to Tatum and Brown? Um, that, you know, everybody will have a different answer about that. But it's, it's an infrastructural issue I think we saw tonight. I think that's fair. I looked up their stats in wins with three-point shooting percentage versus losses. Have you looked at this? No, I'm sure numbers? it's extreme, right? In wins, this was regular season, 40.3% from three. And in losses, 31.6%. Wow. Now, some of that is, yeah. all right, yeah, that makes sense. You make more shots when you're winning. But on the other hand, that's kind of what this team is. When the threes aren't going in, this was what I was worried about in every playoff series with them. There are, if, if you're relying on the three as much as they do, there's always one game where they're not going in, you know? And unfortunately for them, it was game five. But like, let's go backwards. We're, you're a kid from Massachusetts. I'm a kid that my dad has had Celtic season tickets now for 50 years. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of bad Celtic losses over the years, and I could spend the next 15 minutes recounting them. Game four was a, was a really really, really iconically bad loss. Rosillo and I came on after we did a pod about it and I was really shook from that game. And then a day later, Missoula comes out and he says, you know what? I actually did make a mistake. I should have called a timeout. And I'm like, no, you just made it worse. I don't, I don't, <laughs> don't admit, don't admit something like that. But just going back and just thinking like of that sequence of Jalen Brown, who also admitted he made a mistake, leaving Harden, going down to double Embiid, who was a complete mess at that point, 
Um, Harden open three. They walk the ball up. They take forever getting the play. Tatum doesn't start the play until six seconds left and then doesn't get a shot off. To me, that's the 2022-23 Celtics in a nutshell. This incredibly talented team that would just shoot itself in the foot over and over again. And in big moments against really good teams, came up short a lot of the times. The first time was that Warriors game, right? When they were, what were they, 21 and five? And it's like, all right, this is a, this team has some hair in its chest now. They talked a lot of talk about finals last year. We really learned something. Now I want it so bad, Tatum. I want it so bad I can taste it. And they just, they talked a big game about, we think we're the best team in the league. Our goal is to win a championship. And the Warriors came and it was a 10-8 round. They just beat the shit out of them. And they were tougher and they just dominated them. And I don't feel like the team was ever 100% the same after that. There were ups, there were downs, but even in the playoffs, Six game series against the Hawks, down three two against the Sixers. Did you see the stat in their last nineteen playoff games at home? They're nine and ten. Isn't what is that, that something else? Yeah, this is right? a great home crowd. How are you nine and ten in your last nineteen? It, it's so it's I just one of feel the like best I go back crowds. to that, right. I just go back to that Warriors game. That was the first sign where I was like, wait a second, and, this and is not a good of, sign. There's the tail end of that hot start where they're hitting like 40 plus percent of their threes, taking half their shots from threes. And and from there, I think that's where a lot of those problems became apparent with their offense. And I, I think like it's it's fair to, to, for Missoula to take, you know, say, hey, you know, hindsight's 2020. I did make a mistake there. It's fair for him to be criticized. I'm curious about your thoughts, Bill, for like the Brown Tatum core, that leadership, like. Brown in, the, in his career has been to three Eastern Conference Finals, one NBA Finals. Tatum's, Tatum's been to two Eastern Conference Finals, one NBA Finals. They've lost in the first round. They've been through heartbreak. They've lost in an NBA Finals. At this point, I mean, all these playoff runs, yeah, like they're not babies anymore. Tatum's not actually 19 anymore. They're not in their young 20s. They're in their mid-20s. Is it fair to expect more from those guys at that point when it comes to managing the game in those situations? This is the right day to ask that question. Down 3-2 on the brink. And then we find out about All-NBA on Wednesday. And if Tatum, I mean, I'm sorry, if Brown gets one of the three All-NBA teams, Mm. he now becomes eligible for a $270 million contract (laughs) extension. And he's got a year left on his current contract. And if you're the Celtics, unfortunately, the way this league goes, it's like it's not even a debate. You have to sign them and then kind of figure it out. And what are they figuring it out? They've had an incredible amount of success with these guys. But over and over again in these playoff series, you know, it's always like these P.J. Tucker, Draymond Green. There's always like some sort of alpha on the court that you can like P.J. Tucker tonight, who the stat line won't show it. But it was it was a lot like what he did in uh in that game five with Miami last year. It was oh, game yeah. five or game game six? One of game four maybe game four, I think it was. But he had one of those games where he was just aggro. He's he seemed like he committed 30 <laughs> fouls and he just put this macho imprint on the game and really was carrying himself like a bouncer in a bar. And I don't know when you have like the makeup of Tatum and Brown and Horford and Brogdon, and Derek White. These are all, like, nice guys. They're good, clean competitors. When was when was the last time the Celtic team, like, got in a shoving match or anything? I just, I watch playoff basketball, and at some point, it turns a little street fighting. We watched this Phoenix-Denver game today. There was, like, almost four 
moments in that thing where it's assuming there's going to be a brawl. And I, I just wonder <laughs> sometimes, not to sound like sports radio-ish, but is this Celtics team a roll up their sleeves ready to like throw back a couple punches team? Over and over again, like Draymond last year in the finals, that was another one in game two, remember? Uh, who's who's the tough guy on this team? Who is the, hey man, we're not going down like this guy? Sometimes it doesn't seem like they have it. Well, Marcus Smart is more of a flopper than he is a, you know, an aggressor in the sense that you're talking, right? Right. I mean, I, I think like with PJ Tucker, you're right about the game that he had against Brown. He defended him virtually the entire game. There was this one play I remember in the first half, maybe it was mid late second quarter, where Jalen Brown kind of coming off a cross screen across the court and Tucker kind of just leans into him and Brown, you know, extends his arm, bumps him off and gets called for an offensive foul. And that was kind of a just a culmination of, you know, a quarter and a half, a whole half of of PJ Tucker just constantly in his grill bothering him, fighting through screens, touching him off ball, just agitating him. And like, that's, that's the type of stuff you're talking about. Like the Celtics needing somebody like Tucker. And I think for even in that last game, right? The game yeah. four, the Sixers, the Sixers blow a lead in the fourth quarter. Like I think these past Sixers teams would have lost that game, but PJ Tucker comes up big with some offensive rebounds, some timely defensive plays. And he's the type of guy. The speech. Who just, he did the speech yeah. with Embiid. Yes. The intensity like that, like that's like the new Draymond Kevin Durant meme, like with him yeah. was yelling in his ear. It's like PJ Tucker's one of those guys who can swing your fortunes ever so slightly in your favor with all those plays that even happen over the course of the game or in big moments in fourth quarters and overtimes. And even like Milwaukee had Bobby Portis, right? Every every playoff team has kind of a guy like that. For the Lakers, it's it's this is crazy, but it's LeBron. LeBron is like, especially at this point of his career, he's he's just physically imposing. Um, he has control over the entire surroundings. Like he's, you know, working the refs. It's really funny. I especially like being there in person last night. If there's a call he doesn't like, he knows exactly how to argue it and then side eye <laughs> the ref and keep. And he does like the look back five seconds later, and then like five seconds later, the disappointed <laughs> third look back at the ref, and he's just. He's constantly working everybody. He's in control of the surroundings. That's one thing it feels like this Celtics team is really missing without Ime Adoka. And you you did a tweet today about that uh, as that game was falling apart about um, about no Ime this year. And Ime was kind of the the tough guy on yeah. last year's team, even though he was the coach. He you know this was a guy eight games into the season was ripping Tatum and Brown. You know and and. <laughs> It wasn't just that they had a great coaching staff last year. Will Hardy was the lead assistant. He went, he got stolen by Utah. He was awesome. Missoula was, I, I think, the number four assistant. Damon Stoudemire was there too, and he was like the older kind of player guy. The coaching staff got decimated, and they never really addressed it, especially after Stoudemire went to Georgia Tech. So you have this guy, Missoula, who's learning on the job, and I'm really trying to be nice because I think he's a nice guy. I'm rooting for him. But he's been completely overwhelmed and overmatched. But it's it's not just the strategy stuff. It's the working the refs during a game stuff, right? It's the, 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 you have to have some sort of presence that I'm not sure he has yet. And nobody else on the team has it either. So when you watch a game like today where things are, it's a must-win game. It's a 2-2 series. And things are slipping away. And it's like, who's the guy? Who's going to step up? Who's going to do it? And that's and Tatum statistically had a good game, but they, he's missing that. He 
it's basically, it was like his stats. It was for him, but he's not like a, like a collector, right? Yeah. He's yeah. like somebody the, like Jokic tonight. Everything's running through him. Like, it's not fair to compare Tatum to Jokic. Jokic is the best player in the league, but everything's running through Jokic. You're never out of the game for more than two plays because he's going to create something. And with the Celts, it's just kind of, it turns into your turn, my turn, jacking up shots. And that's not going to win. Which is where Udoka, to your point, you know, he he was kind of that that representation for them coming from the sideline. Like, Missoula, like, he, he's, he, he was even on the front of the bench. I think he was on the second row, right? I, I, I don't think, think he right. was up front. And, and I think right. with with him, it's the type of thing. It's not like, it's not like Missoula can't become a really good coach. Like Spo in the in the heels days, people thought Spolstra was the the weakness of the LeBron Wade Bosch right. teams, and he's now considered one of the best coaches in the league for now ten plus years, longest tenured, yada yada. It's not like Missoula can't become a good coach. It's just considering where this team has been in recent years, with the heights they've reached, the amount of success that they've had. It it just feels like a thirty four year old rookie head coach. Maybe this is too much, too soon. Wrong place, wrong time for him, uh, and it's understandable. Four years, four years younger than the starting center on the same team. I mean, it's something else. I, I mean, were you hearing the same things last summer when when Will Hardy left? I had people around the league saying, mm, "This is a loss for Boston." Like he's oh, yeah. been, he was integral to their game to game rotations, in game yep. adjustments, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, you don't hear those things. You never know." like how true it might be, but you, you know, you feel confident about that. He's going to be a good coach. And then he's amazing with Utah. And then Udoka has gone for, you know, yeah. the reasons that he was. And suddenly it's, like the, the whole staff is gone. The main guys. Right. And you're patching it together in the season. That's why tough. people were making fun of me last summer. Cause I was going nuts about the Will Hardy thing. Cause Danny sat courtside for one of those finals games and noticed I think the same thing my dad had been saying that whole year is like, this guy, Will Hardy's amazing. Like well, he was up. He's like almost you know, a co-coach like, <laughs> of the team <laughs> right? <laughs> and he didn't miss a trick. And one of the great mm -hmm. things about the Celtics last year was they really never missed a trick. It was always like, Hey, two for one. Hey, we use the timeout here instead of the, like they were always on it. And it, Will Hardy was a big reason why. And that, you know, my dad who he sits, I don't know, maybe 20, 20 feet behind the Celtics bench and is a big body language guy. I've learned a lot of my body language stuff from him. <laughs> for you better the worse. ways of scouting. <laughs> he was the first guy I'd heard who was like, I don't know about this Missoula. I'm like, really? We're like, <laughs> we're like 10 and one. He's like, I don't know. I, I, you got to go to the games. You got to see it. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're the best record of the league. I don't know. There's, he just, he kind of seems like he got picked out of the crowd to coach the team. And he seems like he's the same age as most of the players. And it just feels so different than last year. And then when the strategy stuff started happening, that was when my dad was like, oh my, you know, he'd be texting me from the games. Like, oh my God. You kind of know when your team doesn't totally have it from either a preparation or adjustment. The big thing with him is just his inability to ad lib during games, which I keep pointing out, you know, like they tried to do it today, right? The, and the Sixers are ready. They tried to push the ball in the first quarter and really tried to do this crazy pace. But the problem was they weren't playing defense. So the Sixers were just matching shots and gaining confidence. And that kept going. I want to keep going on this. We got to take a quick break, but we got to talk about, uh, there's one Missoula piece that really concerns me. Visit FanDuel.com slash BS right now during the NBA playoffs and you can place a $5 bet and you'll get an instant 150 bucks back in bonus bets, win or lose. That's what happens with us in FanDuel. We have a couple TV shows on FanDuel TV right now. I don't know if you watched Through, through the Ringer with uh, Tate Frazier. 
don't know if you watch Beyond the Arc with Kevin O'Connor. The East Coast Bias guys are on there as well. Check out FanDuel TV. You can also check out my Wednesday same game parlay that I always do that I put up on my Twitter feed, except this week, it's not going to be on Wednesday. It's going to be on Sunday because we're going to try to tie it to one of the game sevens that we think we're going to happen. Remember, no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports, but go to FanDuel.com slash BS, sign up, get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 plus and president in select states. First online real money wager, only $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling prom call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 800-9-WITH-IN in Indiana. 800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 800-327-5050 or visit mahelpline.org slash problem gambling in Massachusetts. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, 800-522-4700 Wyoming or 1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. going to start wearing shorts. going to start wearing bathing suits. Just, you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside, do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, here's the bigger thing with the Missoula thing because they they make the finals last year and it's a, it, it's almost a year too early in the sense that, wow, I thought this was going to be a year. I didn't realize it was going to be this year we made the finals. I remember comparing it to the 1996 Patriots, which had this really talented team that felt like it was a year away and all of a sudden they were in the Super Bowl. And then you assume, oh, we'll be back and, you know, the next year that Pats team, they lose in the, I think the first round and then it quickly fell apart. I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Celtics team, but there is a title window 
piece to this where last year it felt like they were going to steal the title, right? Like because because of Middleton's situation and it felt like Milwaukee was headed for back-to-back, they somehow get by Milwaukee. Then they they survive this incredible Miami collapse where they're up, what, 14 <laughs> with three and a half minutes left to almost lose the game. It comes out of Jimmy Butler three. And then against the Warriors, it felt like after game one, oh my God, we're, we actually could steal the title here. And then Curry became Curry. They lose in six, but it's like, all right, this is good. Well, who's better than the Celtics this upcoming year? Nobody's better. There's teams that are as good. And then the season goes along and you're like, whoa, the West is a mess, right? Milwaukee, something seems a little off with them. Philly looks okay, but the Celtics have the most talent. And Milwaukee loses in round one. <laughs> And you think, what well, the season fucking parted. They're going to play the winner of the Heat and the Knicks. Just have to get by the Sixers team and beat as a bad knee. Now they're down 3-2. And if it doesn't happen this year, I I just think the, I, I don't know if you're going to have a better chance than you had last year and this year, especially with the salaries, with the way they were able to stack stuff, with the Jalen's only making $25 million, the CBA's changing. Um, you might get stale with this nucleus, which we're going to talk about in a second, but I really worry about the title window, KOC. I, I think even though these guys are young, isn't that fair to be like, holy shit, are we missing our window completely here? I mean, they're they're young, but they've been around a long time and they've been through a lot of battles together. Uh, like I think with Jalen Brown, you're, you're nearing the point that you're near the end of his, you know, like you said, his second deal. He If he doesn't get the All-NBA he could very well test free agency in 2024. Horford's older, right? He's 36 years old. He's going to be 37 next year. And you got Brogdon over 30. He's getting picked apart on defense by Philadelphia. Marcus Smart, not the same right now this year on defense as he was last year. Already won defensive player of the year. He's fallen off a bit now, 30 years old. Like there's a like there's age uh, for certain players and there's free agency for others. Uh, I think I think for Boston, it's definitely a case where maybe the maybe this core's window is shutting. It's now just a matter of how do they pivot this core to extend it and into the future because we don't know what's going to end up happening with a Jalen Brown at this point, whether he leaves, wants to go, or just ends up inking a super max contract and. And whether that is value or not remains to be seen. I love Jalen Brown, but he's, you know, the 15th to 20th best player in the league. He's not a top five, top 10 guy. And when you're paying that enormous amount of money, that yeah. changes things under the new CBA, where if you enter into now with this new CBA, if you're a luxury luxury tax team, that's $7 million over. You have your typical penalties. But if you're $17.5 million over at this point, you know, that the second apron that they installed, you can't trade, pick seven years into the future. You can't yep. do sign and trades. You can't give up cash and deals and so on and so forth. There's a long oh list of God. penalties. So me for Boston, worse. that's where you that's where you enter. Yeah, that's true for Milwaukee. That's true for Golden State. It's true for potentially Boston. A lot of teams around the league where when the money gets that big, like it really limits your ability to use exceptions. Like you can't use your taxpayer mid-level exception to sign players. You're limited to minimums. It's restrictive. So I think for Boston, they're one of those teams in those buckets where it's at a point, it's a pivot point where it could extend, um, but maybe you have to take a slight step back as well. Yeah. And I guess that then you're thinking, what's our core? What's our ceiling? 
can Tatum be somebody who's a connector in the way that, you know, somebody like Jokic is? What is he? Is he at that top level or is he like right underneath? Like Russell and I were talking about that on Sunday. Is he just kind of right underneath that 1B level, not a 1A? Um, Might be. Might be. And then, and the Jalen piece, you know, as as we've discussed on this pod a few times, ever since the KD trade rumors, it's never felt totally right. There's been breadcrumbs dropped all over the place. Our own, uh, our guy Logan Murdoch wrote a great feature about him. Um, there's been a couple weird interviews with him now. And even like during the series where he had that, he little bit of a, the dig about usually when the balls in my hands, good things happen or whatever. <laughs> we just talked about how he didn't have any shots and uh, OT. Offense wasn't the issue in that game, though. I didn't think. It, no, it, I it, agree. No, is it the, well? If he had just stayed on uh, Harden, at least it would have yeah. gone to the last shot in the overtime. I don't think. I think Jalen's here, and I think they're going to pay him, and I think they're going to figure it out after they pay him a year later. I think short term, if this team gets bounced on Thursday. Um, it, it might be the end for the smart era and, and Robert Williams would be the other one that I think has got a really tradable contract. who has been a huge disappointment, huge in the playoffs. Not the same guy. He's not on defense. I, my dad's, my dad's claims he went to a game like four weeks ago when he hurt his knee again and that they're, they're not being honest about it, but he doesn't look I, even 50% as impactful, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's not like the flying around crazy Robert Williams anymore. He still does these basic, 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 you know, he'll have this great defensive possession and then he'll let up for a second. All of a sudden, his guy's shooting a 50, wide open 15 footer and you're like, what? why did you stop playing? You just played hard for eight seconds. And then the last two seconds, you gave up an open jumper. My, you know, he's got a tradable contract. I wonder if they would try to trade those guys together. Um, Smart has a hold over this team that we talked about on Sunday. Where the and I don't even know if it's totally his fault, but the ball always seems to find him <laughs> in the biggest moments. It just does. Like you think about that game seven against Miami last year, just over and over again, he was taking the right shot. It was a wide open shot, but I also didn't want him to take it. And it might be one of those situations where he's almost over, he's underqualified for the role he thinks he should have, but he's kind of overqualified for the role that he probably should have. So, my guess is that that would be somebody this summer. But again, they could win on Thursday and they could win this weekend and all of a sudden they'd be the favorites to make the finals again, right? Sure. I mean, Doc Rivers has blown three 3-1 leads in his coaching career. He's blown three 3-2 leads in his coaching career and five other 1-0, 2-0, or 2-1 leads. It's not like he's been up before and hasn't blown leads. It's just none of right. those have happened against a rookie head coach. Uh, like For the Celtics here with Missoula, like we're talking about some of his weaknesses. It's also, like you said, Rob Williams is something definitely is up. Like he has explosive moments, but he's playing only like the proof is in the minutes per game. He's playing 25, 30 minutes against the Warriors in the finals. He's ending last season playing 30 plus minutes per game over the last couple of months. He is not, you know, he was hurt this year. He's playing 15, 20 minutes per game. They're clearly limiting him purposely. Like this isn't, this is like, that's the, all the evidence you need compared to his use of 19 minutes tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it goes without saying, like with the minutes and never mind, like when you really watch the effort waiver for him. Um, so, yeah. I mean, they have some limitations there. And I mean, I think it's all we also do get to give Philly some credit here, too, Bill. I mean, I, no, we're going to do that. I, can, okay. okay. Can we save that? Let's yes. just rip okay. through the Celtics. Sure. No, I, I have a lot to say about the Philly piece of it. Um, yeah, I guess 
I guess I only had one other Celtics related point. Grant Williams? No. Eight, eight minutes too many? No. I was at that Laker game last night and I was thinking, there's a real chance now that the Celtics might play the Lakers in the finals. <laughs> and they are a way smarter team than the Celtics at this point. And I just feel like LeBron is going to undress them. And deep down, I'm thinking like, that would be the worst if the Celtics <laughs> lost the Lakers in the finals. The like, I actually, that might be it. I might move, might be living with Joe Rogan in Austin, or I might be moving to South Dakota. Um, I might be out. That might be done. I might be, the Lakers beat the Celtics again in finals. I'm gone. Leave I'm in LA? Come on, And Bill. I was just like, I don't want to go into that series, you know, with a butter knife and a knife fight. You know, I want to go in with a team like I completely trust and I don't trust the Celtics team because I th I think the Lakers now, now those guys, one of those guys could get hurt tomorrow, but they've made it 10 games with those two guys upright and healthy. And at this point, it's, I still think Denver is the best team, but the Lakers, it's, it's certainly conceivable they make it. But yesterday I was in a dark place and I'm thinking like, oh my God, the Celtics are going to like stumble into the finals and this stupid Laker team's going to be waiting for them. <laughs> and, uh, and that's it. Celtics uh, Lakers would be pretty awesome if we get that though. That would be incredible. LeBron it, versus unless the, the Celtics. Celtics lose, <laughs> Jack Nicholson waving the yellow Laker, eighty-six year old Jack. I was just thinking of all the terrible things, ways that could go. And uh, anyway, all right, yeah, let's let's talk about Philly. One of the great, I would say, the best win of the Embiid era, right? Oh yeah, for sure. He was unbelievable. for sure. Contesting everything around the basket. He was unbelievable. I mean, I love, awesome. I love the play where he had a turnover on, on offense. He kind of sloppily handled the ball, and then he hustled back on a block and transition, chased yep. down. Then it races back on offense, gets the ball at the elbow, draws a foul. It, it was just like one of those quintessential next play mentality moments for him. And I, I thought he was very impressive throughout the whole series coming back from injury. But like, you wouldn't really know that he's hurt the way he's Agreed. playing right now. Was he hurt? That's coming up next. No. Um, <laughs> he's definitely not as hurt as they made it seem like he was. They were like, yeah, this is a second degree, whatever. And it's a four to six week injury. He looked fine as he was jumping over the basket to block Jalen Brown on a breakaway. There was a real mental toughness with that team today. Like Maxie had it. Harris. Mm -hmm. I've never seen Harris with the eye of the tiger like that. Um, Harden played a really smart, it, at first it seemed like, oh, this is a James Harden no-show game. He he was fine. He did enough. And Embiid was awesome. And Embiid put his imprint all over that game. There was an aura. He took the crowd out early. And he was the best guy in the game. Yeah, so. he's unbelievable. I mean, I mean the, that Harden-Embiid pick and roll has been outstanding together, too. Like, like, I mean, Boston, we already talked about their lack of adjustments. Like, they're just running that pick and roll on the left side of the floor, getting Embiid wide open opportunities. You know, him getting touches for a pull up at the elbow or a drive from the elbow, uh, or he can make passes out of that area. They've just been absolutely outstanding. And Harden is, I mean, he, he was not good in games two and three after a sensational game one, no. then game four, but he, he has really found himself in this series right now. And I, I feel like with him, I looked at his numbers after the game. He's averaging three mid-range shots per game. 
in this series, wow. which is double what he did during the season. It's, you know, I, in past years, he didn't take any. So it's triple, you know, whatever what he did in past years. It's nice to see Harden utilizing that mid-range to make himself a threat with those little pull-ups, you know, more floaters. Um, it's I feel like Harden has redefined himself in different ways throughout the season. First, as a pass first guy, and yeah. now you're seeing him do that by you know bringing back the mid range like he did in the early days at Oklahoma City, and you know he's hitting the the game winning three pointer in the corner. You know he's he's doing stuff that he hasn't done in the past with the catch and shoot, the pull ups. It's just cool to see a guy redefine himself at this stage of his career. I'd kind of given up on this Philly team as a title contender, but you think like the game Harden played in game four and then the game Embiid played in game five, those guys are on the same team. And, you know, they have enough with the role players that I think they can get by. But they played house today. I was wondering where I forgot he was on their team. He was good. Um, and he gave them some energy, but, you know, they can patch if they're going to play the the big two big minutes and they can keep Harris out of foul trouble. Tucker is what he is. Um, they put Tucker on, it seemed like on Jalen, I, I don't know what the stats are game to game, but it seemed like he was on Jalen more than usual, really trying to, you know, Jalen can't dribble. He's the best player in the league who can't dribble. And uh, <laughs> and Tucker was just right at right up on him trying to get him to make mistakes. But um, I think if you're the Celtics, you go back to that game one yeah, where there's no Embiid and Harden's feeling it, but Harden at this point in his career just shouldn't be able to run a mock like that. They weren't trying to, you know, they weren't hounding him with the ball from the moment he got it all the way up the court. They weren't trying to put any miles on him. Again, to go back to that LeBron game yesterday, it became clear during that Warriors game because Clay was was just out of it, didn't have it. And Poole, which we'll talk about when we do our Warriors segment, he was became unplayable. That was really it. So it was like Curry or bust. And Curry, he was doing all this creative stuff with his passing. And he was like just a one-man show. And at some point, the the Lakers figured out, like, we've just got to wear this guy down. If we can wear him down, we're going to win because that's all they have. Why wouldn't the Celtics have done that in game one against Harden? Like, this is all they have. Like, let's wear him down. Let's keep, let's keep running pick and rolls and putting him, you know, defending people like on an island. Let's keep pressuring him 90 feet and just let's, this guy's out of shape. Let's wear him down. They did the opposite. Yeah, I mean, to Harden's credit, you know, they're not attacking him, so they're not wearing him down. But when he has been involved in actions, he's done a solid job. You know, he off ball, he's taking some charges, putting his body on the line. On ball, he's he's competing. You know, he's fighting on the on the defensive boards. So he's putting in effort. I wonder if if that has anything to do with their reluctance. But to your point, it's more about the philosophy of wearing a guy down over the course of a game. And, yes. and making things harder on him, and even even in that same Warriors Lakers game, you know the Warriors are are attacking AD play after play after play. The way the Lakers responded to that was like, okay, we're gonna let AD rest on offense because we need yeah. him on every single defensive possession. So they like didn't involve him in offensive possessions. He's just standing around the baseline because with thirty seconds left, he needs to switch out on Stephen Curry and defend him twice. And yeah, like it's for for those moments to save that fuel. So I I feel like Boston hasn't done enough of that uh, against Harden either. Missoula is listening to this, going, "Wait a second, so where down the other team? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Maybe I'll try that in Game Six. Um, we got to mention like the Harden thing, and I I hate the 
the, and I'm probably at least a little responsible for it, the legacy talk. But Hart and I had just given <laughs> up on, like literally had given up on him as a responsible playoff player, right? It just seemed like it was going to be part of his legacy to the bitter end. It was like, great regular season guy. You really, you can't count him on him in the playoffs. As I say this, he might absolutely suck in game six and game seven. And it'll be this devastating Sixers loss and it'll just be the James Harden thing again. But um, at least what he's shown in these playoffs, now he's in a free agent year. You know, he's it doesn't erase some of the stuff that's happened in the past, but I've been really impressed. I really have. I didn't think he still had this in him at this stage of his career. And I didn't didn't even know if he had it in him, period. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Harden stuff, I mean, I know he's had some terrible moments, but he has a, a true shooting percentage of 57.6 in closeout games in his career. Kawhi yeah. Leonard is 56.8. Like True shooting percentage is not an end-all, be-all stat, but I just throw that one number out there to say that despite some terrible moments that he's had, it's not like he has not produced in those games. It's not like he hasn't averaged nearly 30 points per game in, you know, seven straight postseasons with the Rockets. Is this a Harden defense? I mean, I've always I, been a Harden guy. I, I, what I a think, zag. I think I think the treatment of Harden in the postseason is is absurd. He's had some choke moments, but he's also had some brilliant moments throughout, and he is also part of the only team that really went toe-to-toe with the Warriors that went to a game That's seven fair. and went to a game six. I mean, yeah, he lost to the Warriors. All right. Who didn't? Really, I mean, you know, I just think with Harden, he's just somebody who has his flaws. There's definitely maybe some missing pieces that holds him back from that, you know, level of greatness that we want him to reach. Maybe he's not that, but it's not like he hasn't been a dominant playoff performer, averaging 28 points, seven assists, six rebounds over, you know, 10 straight years. 2015 against the Clippers was rough. He's had some rough moments. And also there's been some really rough finals. He's had some bad ones. I, I, I will, I will, I will acknowledge that. That's true. Who, who do you think needs the uh, Philly playoff run more him or Embiid? <laughs> that sounds like a first take subject question, but <laughs> I, I actually think because Embiid is a little younger and probably has more in him for Harden, like this might be it, especially if he leaves Philly after the year and goes to Houston. We, you know, who knows? That team may never be good. I, I think Harden needs it more for that exact reason. I mean, Harden at this point, he's he's 33 years old. He'll be 34 next season. He's definitely on the decline. He doesn't have the same burst or explosiveness around the basket. It's not even close to what he once was. So this is this for Harden could be his, you know, real last opportunity uh maybe he has yeah. a couple more in him but at, at this stage of his career it's a it's a lot to expect more from him whereas Embiid, he, he's i mean look you can talk about hypothetical injuries for a seven footer a 300 pound guy but he just had the best season of his entire career and yeah. now we now that he, now that he got his mvp chris ryan mentioned this to me a couple weeks back maybe now that he got his mvp we'll see some pacing from him over the course of a regular season to store that energy for the playoffs. Like we just saw from Jokic last two months, he's just not trying on defense. The Nuggets are definitely waving the flag there. And now you're seeing them turning up on that end. So maybe you see that from Embiid in future years. So he's got time. Chris Ryan making excuses for Philly athletes. (laughs) As always, just classic Chris Ryan. (laughs) Embiid, 33, seven rebounds, four blocks, and... A pretty memorable block on Jalen Brown. The hustle block was, that would be... Uh, that was awesome. 
if there's the montage of him heading into the finals, they'll definitely show that one from a couple different angles. Okay, we uh, did we did we hit that hard enough, right? Philly, Boston. Can we go to the other yeah, conference? I, I, I think the I think the Maxi X factor. You mentioned Harris with his effort. Maxi had a great yeah. game too. I mean, you know, Daniel House. Yeah, we covered that. I think the Doc Rivers redemption. Um, yeah, I thought Doc was going to be joining the river, the ringer in like two months, but now maybe, <laughs> maybe he's going to still coach. Is, is he really a potential target for us? Him in Austin. We have the rest of the family. Yeah, we, we have yeah, Cali. Yeah, we have Austin. Cali, we got to yeah, get yeah, Doc. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to take a break. We'll talk about the West. This episode is brought to you by PNC bank. Unlike this podcast, some things in life should be boring like banking because boring is pragmatic and responsible, level-headed, wise, all the things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be exciting. Exciting is for three-point buzzer beaters, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money, because when your money is doing what you need it to, you can do all the unboring things you want to do with it. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group. Inc. PNC Bank National Association member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. Look, every athlete knows that whether you're hitting the field, the track, or even the tarmac, you need the right shoes. And the Brooks Go 16 comes close to perfect, letting you focus on the fun of running. They've got this nitrogen-infused cushioning that keeps your run nice and soft while still being lightweight enough if you want to pick up some speed. For the comfort seekers, you know, like me, you've seen my walk and talks on my YouTube channel. They've got a fresh new midsole design and crash pad to keep your joy ride feeling breezy. Plus, it's got an enhanced upper to give you the right amount of stretch and structure. Sneakers, running shoes, walking shoes, it's so important. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins in the better than ever Brooks Ghost 16. It's a great shoes. Click or tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Phoenix, Denver, did you learn anything? Because I went into it thinking... I don't think anyone's going to beat Denver at home in the West in the playoffs. And nobody's beaten Denver at home in the West in the playoffs. They are now 5-0. and And pretty, pretty, pretty brutal to play against there. And Jokic is a cheat code. And what they get two bench guys going. But uh, I, I'm just blown away by Jokic. I honestly, I think he's one of the best offensive players I've ever seen in my entire life. I can't believe how fucking good he is. And... <laughs> how he makes the right play every single time. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he was so good. He just killed the Suns today. Yeah, he, he He's so special to watch. It's like no matter what type of shot he takes, it feels like there's like a 70% chance it goes in. Right. Heavily contested floater with a body against him in, in the mid-range going in. Leaning, you know, three-point three point shot off a pick-and-pop going in with his slow, deliberate release. Like everything is 
perfect touch, whether it's shooting the basketball through the hoop, or whether it's making a pinpoint pass to a cutter or a three-point shooter. He is so, so special as an offensive presence, man. Like it, it's it's crazy. And I think like all sort of all the players around him, the way they they coexist around him as him being the center of their solar system with yeah. Jamal Murray, the two-man game chemistry that they have, Michael Porter Jr. as the spark that he can provide as a scorer, Aaron Gordon with his cutting. Bruce Brown. I mean, everybody on that roster, they've they've built a bunch of guys who know how to play off of of Jokic. Yeah. And, and like that offense is just such a joy to watch. Yeah, that's like, like going back to the Celtics. Like Philly has a couple plays, right? Like they can run that Embiid hard and pick and roll. They can just post up Embiid in the foul line by himself. They know they have those plays at all times. I still don't know what the plays are for the Celtics. If anything, I probably like it, and I don't even know how many times I've done it this year, but when it's a Brogdon-Tatum high screen with Brogdon as the dribbler using Tatum, I always feel like that's kind of unstoppable. And man, I don't even know if they've run it 20 times, but they don't, it's usually kind of tatum iso That's why they have so much problems at the end of these games. Whereas you watch a team like Denver, and it's not just the end of the games. It's always like they're up 10 the other team hits a three and then gets a hoop. They're down five. And and you could just see Jokic like, all right, guys, run this one through me. And he just gets like a, a either a layup or he gets his own eight-footer or he gets a three. And those, those are the three outcomes. It's a good shot every time. That's why I think they're going to be so tough in the playoffs. Even, I mean, in the next round against, if it's going to be the Lakers, that's a really hard matchup for the Lakers with the way that they cut. You even saw Golden State with a team that is really kind of slumping offensively. Um, still getting a bunch of easy baskets, right? Bunch of back cuts, using pulling Davis away from the basket and then using, you know, his inability to kind of jump back and get there, using LeBron, the fact that he doesn't really want to move because he shouldn't because he's year 20. He doesn't want to waste too much energy. Using all those things against him. It's going to be death against Denver, I think. What do you think of that matchup, just hypothetically? So Denver, LA. I mean, I think for Los Angeles, they've proved a lot of skeptic wrong, skeptics wrong each stage of their season. You called um, it early. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. laughing when I thought you were doing, just trying to get a social video. <laughs> yeah, people you were like, models. hey, Richie, I've got a good idea for a social video. <laughs> Lakers. I still, but you I were still, right. You nailed it. I, I, I still am perplexed by the reaction to me putting them sixth on my championship power rankings after the deadline. I felt like- I just think nobody felt like those two guys were going to stay healthy, which I think yeah, is well, fair. I, I mean, it, it, it was assuming that they stay healthy. You know, I, I think that was part of it. Like, if these guys stay healthy, this is the place that they're going to be in. They have a good chance to win the championship. And thus far they are. But like you said, in passing there, LeBron definitely is not totally healthy. He's I mean, not. Th- that, that is you clear. You can really feel yeah. it in person, too. Like, even watching him oh, yeah. walk off the court and stuff, he doesn't. Like watch right. watch LeBron in like January or so. Yeah. Like he had his burst in explosiveness there. And, and at this point, it, it's not there in the same way. Like there was a transition play that he had in that last game where like he, in the past, he's a freight train getting yeah. into that spin move, going to the rim. And he just doesn't have that burst right now. And whether he regains it or not, who knows? But in terms of that Lakers Nuggets series, I mean, you have to favor the Nuggets. You just have to. Yeah, and they have the uh, home court too yeah, with the I mean, altitude. They have the home court. They they have the best player in the series in Jokic. Um, like you have to favor them, but I still think with that Lakers team, Bill. I mean, the the reason why I was so high on them throughout, you know, like Verno and I have disagreed on this, but it's like it's manifested for them. It's a different guy all the time. Like sometimes it's it was like Lonnie Walker 
Last yeah. night, sometimes it's D'Lo. Sometimes it's Austin Reeves, like in game one against Memphis. Sometimes it's Rui. Sometimes it's LeBron. Sometimes it's AD. Like they just have so many different guys who can generate offense off the dribble. Like you compare them to the Warriors. The Warriors, it's Steph. And that's pretty much it as your as your source of offense. Draymond can obviously handle, but he's not a bucket getter. The Lakers have so many of those guys who can do that. And with Denver, they do have more. Like they have Jamal Murray. They have Michael Porter Jr. Even Aaron Gordon can attack a closeout to get to the basket. It's not like, you know, Bruce Brown can Jokic. do that too. Yeah, they, yes. they almost and, don't and need Jokic that is, random yes. And um, Porter can pull up from anywhere. They have a bunch of guys who can do that. So that's where the Nuggets can close the gaps in ways that I don't think the Warriors are going to be able to in this series against the Lakers down 3-1. I was on a thread with a couple of Boston fans talking about how much we just despise this Laker team, um, even though we respect them, <laughs> but just how despicable it is that game after game, another fucking random dude has an awesome game for them, <laughs> right? You you were like, it's a different guy every night. I'll go, they pull a fucking random guy out of their asshole every night who has 25 points. Um, it And one of my friends in the text said, this was what the, 19, the late 90s Yankees were like. Where it was like, oh, really? This is the Scott Brocious hits a grand slam in the eighth inning game. And then the next game, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Here's, you know, the Daryl Strawberry went deep and they was just, it just didn't matter. But there was this next man up. Whose night is it going to be? Last night, the, Warrior, the Warriors were like, we're, we're taking out D'Lo. We're putting GP on him. D'Lo, you're not having a good game today. And then, so the Lakers tried Rui. He didn't really have it. Um, Schroeder was really kind of chasing around Curry. It wasn't going to be him. And the Lonnie Walker, the whole first half, he didn't do anything. We, I was sitting uh, with a friend of mine and I was doing the Rosillo joke about like, this is a total Tobias Harris game from Lonnie Walker. I didn't realize he was out there for an hour. <laughs> and then he gets the 15 and the fourth and all of a sudden becomes the best guy in the league. It does feel like when that starts happening during a basketball playoffs, like something magical might be happening. Right. Yeah. Like D'Lo, he was as happy as anybody and he was the hero two nights ago. So when I see stuff like that, I'm like, oh, my God, really? I also think you, you and Verno talked about this today. Ham has a really good knack for knowing when to cut bait on guys and try somebody else and then stick with somebody when he sees something. And he's over. And I don't love some of the strategy stuff that they do, but I think his subs are really good. I th I've been impressed by him. Yeah, I mean, Ham's done a good job. He really has. I mean, like we're talking rookie head coaches with Missoula. Yeah. Ham, I think Ham, you know, over the course of the year, Lakers fans had some gripes about him with his decisions, his lineups, his rotations. But Learning on the like job. Him, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the postseason, learning on the job, right? Like he has figured some, them some things out and pulled the right strings in this postseason. And with the 3-1 lead, I don't, I don't see them blowing that. I just don't think the Warriors, you can never bury the Warriors. You can't bury Stephen Curry. They have a home game coming up, but winning three in a row against this Lakers team and the amount of success they've had in the postseason with LeBron and AD out there, with AD playing at the level that he is, he is right now, like unless injury occurs, I I I just I fail to see how the Warriors could. Whereas the Suns, you know, maybe they get super hot and and game six, you know, Booker he's off tonight. Finally, he's all, he's only only eight of nineteen. Durant's right. only 10 of Terrible 24. Terrible game, Booker. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, Durant was really the disappointment. He's 10 of 24. Uh, like, you need more from him on a night. Booker's not shooting 80% from the field. So yeah. I, I think maybe Phoenix gets another hot night and they force a game seven. Um, but I, I don't 
I don't think the Warriors are going to have that same level of luck that a team like Phoenix could. Because uh, even like in this game tonight, it's, I, I mean, I need to rewatch it tomorrow, but I didn't feel like the Nuggets made a hell, heck of a lot of adjustments. Like they put Gordon on Booker no. slightly more. It's like, you know, it's a sprinkle more of Aaron Gordon defending Aaron, Aaron, uh, Devin Booker, like 25% of possessions rather than 10% of possessions, according to the tracking data on second spectrum. But <laughs> they pressure you know what more, their adjustment was, yeah. KOC? Here was their adjustment. Hey, Landry Shamit, you're not making those on the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Booker, you're not shooting. Hey, 80%. everybody else, none of you guys are making those. Yeah. 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 Um, now, it, it, I thought it was a pretty predictable. Yeah. Denver is going to win this, maybe even a little comfortably. But the way Phoenix is, when you have the these two guys that are putting up the Elgin Baylor, Jerry West stats as a combo, can't rule them out, right? Especially at home in a game six. And then if it gets to a game seven, I don't know. Both guys could get hot. I think Denver's better, but I I certainly wouldn't bet my life on Phoenix not winning the next two games. Am I right to be underwhelmed by Kevin Durant in the series, though? I mean, his numbers on the surface, he's averaging 30.8 points, 10.6 rebounds, five assists, shooting only 22.2% from three, only 46% from the field. I, I feel like with KD, you know, 24 shots per game, a night like this, they mm. needed more from KD. It, yeah, am, it feels am like I right 2016 to feel that way? KD. Yeah. Not like uh, 2021 KD. Um, Look, he's playing with campaign as his point guard. I know. And whatever still. the hell is going on with Aiton. And it's a new team. And he's a little bit older. And he had two big injuries this year. I He's definitely, this is not A-plus Durant. We saw, I thought we were getting A-plus Durant with the Nets before he got hurt that last time. Yeah. What was that, like, three-week stretch where it was just like, wow, this is like A-plus Durant. I don't think this is, this is like B-plus Durant. Yeah, but, but does he have A-plus Durant in him? You know, like we've seen flashes with Phoenix, even despite the injuries. It's not like he hasn't shown that at moments. Is Aaron Gordon that much of the KD stopper? I mean, if I was Aaron Gordon, I'd brag about it. Like, yeah. Look at those KD stats, man. Forty-two <laughs> percent. It's because of me, Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I do I, think I, Denver is is uh, more competent defensively than they get credit for. Yeah. Um. And as Jokic, who I think takes, Jokic is like Curry, where he takes a ton of shit for his defense. Curry last night, they attacked him that whole second half. I thought he did a pretty good job. Like he was defending LeBron on post-ups. He defended like, I think four of the Lakers. Lonnie Walker hit some really good shots at him, right? There was maybe one where he kind of dusted him, but for the most part, I thought Curry kind of held up. Like if you're just going to run all of your plays at one guy, like the guy's going to look bad on a couple of plays. Jokic, same thing for me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like this, I wouldn't count Phoenix out, but I just think Denver's better and it would have mm. to be another like 86 point combo kind of thing um, in a game seven. Maybe they'll win game six, but to win in Denver in a game seven, I think it's going to be, I think it's too tall of a task for a team that still feels like pretty new. We got to talk about the Warriors. I've been saving this one. Um, so I was I was behind their I was like about nine rows behind their bench last night. And I went to a bunch of the playoff games last year. I saw I think every finals game in person, except for of course the the best one to go to, which was the great curry game. Um something's way off with them. As you know, the body language doctor, I actually dressed up like a doctor to go to the Warriors <laughs> game to to officially be the body language doctor yesterday. <laughs> The pool thing is really dark. It's it's mm. it's bad. 
it's uh the second half of that game he had for part of it he had his hood over his head like he was wearing a hoodie and he just he he just had dead eyes he looked lost he looked completely checked out out of it bummed out like he lost his dog um it looked like he was filming like a music video and when he went in the first half he's just unplayable and he comes in and it's like, he's covered in barbecue sauce and the Lakers are looking at him with forks and steak knives. Like let's attack that guy every time when he's tripping. He's just, he's unplayable. And I think Kerr went with him as long as he possibly could. But now it's like, we're going to, we're going to be, we're going to be going home. If, if, if we don't win a couple of these games, we can't afford to play this guy anymore. So he's out. Clay at this stage of his career, I just don't know what you're getting from him anymore. Do you? It's like you no. can have the good Clay game. He had a couple of those in the Kings, but yesterday they really needed him and he couldn't do anything. Right. So you have that. Draymond doesn't shoot. Wiggins, because he took all that time off, um, I just feel like they don't totally trust him. They weren't really running plays for him. And it was just all Curry. And, you know, if, You'd say like, oh, never bet against the heart of the champion, all that stuff. But I just don't see it. I I really don't. I think they're going to either lose game five or lose game six because there's too much pressure on that dude. And as great as he is, and I think he's one of the greatest ever, I don't think he can beat this, beat this Lakers team by himself, right? They played Moody in crunch time. And the biggest play of this game, and I don't know if anyone talked about it, but it happened right in front of me. I noticed it. Probably like under two minutes left and in their trade and punches. And Curry does that thing where he gets rid of the ball to Moody and he circles around, but he comes back where Moody gets the ball and pretends he's going to dribble toward the middle, but then it's a little dump off back to Curry. And Moody didn't give him the dump off. And instead he like just kind of dribbled and he screwed up the play and it ended up, I think that might've been the play when Clay took the terrible shot. Um, but Curry was pissed and I, you never see him get pissed and, he kind of quietly went over to Moon. He's like, I'm supposed to get the, ball, the fucking ball back on that play. I'm, I'm Steph Curry. Um, <laughs> and I think if he had gotten the ball back, he would have made it. But the fact that Moody was out there, you talk about the DNA of the Warriors and how connected they are with Steph. And he's just, they always like know where he is and they know how to get in the ball. And it's like little plays like that that are different about them this year than last year. And then you take Poole, you just take him out. Right? Do they beat the Celtics without if Pool is this year's Pool? No way. And then Clay's Clay's just not back to being Clay, and I just don't see it. I don't think they have it. There's definitely missing pieces, Bill, for sure. I mean, I think this is the. I mean, they win the finals last year without the two timelines being really a factor with all the youth. They won that yeah. off their their old regime. You know, the old the old guys to, who were part of the start of the dynasty. Um, but I think at this point, you know, after losing some guys, like you originally lose Gary Payton, you know, then you trade back for him. Jordan Poole has regressed. He plays a season low in minutes in that game four last night. And is, like you is said, regressed a strong enough word? I mean, like he's like private pile and full metal jacket at this point. He's got like the dark <laughs> eyelids almost. I feel I honestly feel bad for him. I, I know it's it's rough. I mean, he got paid $128 million. Like, good for him. He earned that money you know, last year with his progress. But yeah, I mean, he has fallen off a cliff right now when he looks lost out there. He's when he's not scoring and he's always been a streaky scorer. This year, he's been streakier than ever. Like, Jordan Poole has this reputation of a good shooter. I mean, he for his career, he shoots 33.9% from three. He has never been a good shooter. He has had stretches where he's a good shooter. 
if he's not scoring, he's a sloppy playmaker. He's an insignificant defender. He doesn't make those hustle plays. So for Kerr, where else are you going to get that from? Moody, like you said, the lack of chemistry. He's still a young guy. I like Moody. I mean, I think he should play even I, more. I'm a yeah. huge fan. You know what yeah. I loved about him? He was crashing the boards and he yeah, plays really tough. hard. And that's why Kerr threw him out there. He's like, this guy's playing hard. He should play more. He should play 25, 30 minutes, I think, moving yeah. forward in the series, as long as it goes, whether it's one game or, or three more games. Looney he's, is he's is, big and strong, too, is the other yes, thing. He's like tough. He, you can he unswitches, he can handle anybody. Super long. It is do we know? I haven't seen anything reported about this. Do we know if Looney is still sick? 11 minutes per game. Granted, this might just not be the series for him, but is he still sick? Do we do we know that for sure? But you're not getting you're not getting the contributions from those other guys. Moody, Poole, Looney, DiVincenzo off your bench. Like it feels like Kerr's, you know, reaching for answers alongside Curry and just not finding it because Wiggins is so inconsistent. Clay's not providing it. So where can you get it from? And, and I think for the Warriors, they've almost kind of pulled out their last card. They used Gary Payton as the screener over and over again for Stephen Curry, and it was working pretty well until the the Lakers made the switch, putting Anthony Davis on Andrew Wiggins. And then yeah. I, I, I kind of get it. Like the the Lakers, the Warriors just didn't feel as comfortable with Wiggins as a screener for Curry. And I think that's because it just doesn't work as well. Wiggins isn't as good in that role as Gary Payton is. Gary Payton is explosive as a roller. He's good finishing off those roles. Whereas Wiggins it, like isn't that type of player. So I, I kind of get them moving a little bit away from that. But at the same time for the Warriors, I mean, maybe you just got to keep going with Steph Draymond pick and rolls, regardless of who is defending Draymond and and roll with that. Because it's not Jared Vanderbilt when he's playing 10, 11 minutes per game. It just feels like Golden State's reaching in ways that they never did before in past years, including last year for that matter. And I mean, also, guys just going to be better. Clay's going to be better, Bill, right? He just has to be better. The flip side of your Golden State is like we would have won that game, but fucking Lonnie Walker got super hot, and what you know that yeah. was dumb. But that's part right? of it. They, I mean, we lost that game because of, of Lonnie Walker. I'm on your side. I I think they're in a shitload of trouble, and the thing that really would scare me if I was a Warriors fan. So let's see. They were playing. If you just go back into April, and they they had all those games to try to get the playing positioning right. But then the actual playoff started on April 15th and they played seven games against the Kings and they've played four against the Lakers and that's through May 8th. So basically in less than four weeks, they've played uh, 11 games and the 12th will be this next game. But they've been playing every two ga- every two days basically for yeah. you know nearly a month and Curry's the one who's starting to feel it. I've I thought last night, and there was a couple times like he hit a four-point play and kind of the joy came back. But to me, he he looked like he was in like the 14th round that <laughs> whole game. And and by the way, Davis and LeBron in the second quarter looked completely exhausted. LeBron does this thing. I don't know if people have noticed this, but he just checks himself in and out. He's like a hotel guest. and does, like, I don't even think he checks with Ham when he comes in. He's like, I'm coming back in now. And Ham's like, okay, LeBron, second greatest player of all time. You tell me when you want to get back in. Uh, but those guys looked a little tired too. And they're also in the grind of playing every other day. But I, I think for Curry, it's a disaster. And, and this pool thing, you know, we didn't even mention the Draymond punch, but that was how the season started. Everyone talked about it for two weeks. 
but pool hasn't been the same since it happened. And it's really hard not to make the conclusion that that incident fucked up their season. Now, there might have been more stuff with it. I don't know what's going on with, with you know, the relationship of different teammates on. Like I was watching even Kaminga yesterday. Um, he was, he couldn't have been further away from the huddle in the fourth quarter without actually just sitting on Jim Goldstein's lap. Like he just was checked out. Um, <laughs> so there's, and then you read the stories about them after game six. Curry gives this impassioned speech. Trey, which he never talks to the team, but gives his whole speech before game seven of the King series. There's definitely some chemistry shit with this. And I felt it last night because I always have like, a, I've talked about this before, but Tim Duncan and the Spurs were like the touchy feeliest team I've ever seen. Just arms around each other at all times and the high fives and just like really connected. And I felt like the Warriors were kind of like that last year. They were a really connected team. They really pulled for each other. And last night, they seemed like co-workers to me. They did not seem yeah. like a team in the same way. And that really jumped out. Whereas like the Lakers, I was talking to somebody who works for the Lakers for the game. And I was like, LeBron seems like he's in on this team. And the guy was like, yeah, he's in on this team. And he's like, thing with LeBron, he's either way out or he's way in. And there's <laughs> never like an in-between. Yeah. You know when he's way out, you know when he's way in. And he's like, he's been in ever since the trades. And you could see it last night. Like, he really likes his team. He likes these guys. And I mean, the Lakers have outstanding buy-in across the roster. Like, the, we're talking about, you know, these different guys who step up. You know, LeBron and AD are also selfless enough to defer to them as superstars, yeah. as, as all-timers LeBron is. And AD, one of the best players today, they're deferring to Austin Reeves. Right. To Rui Hachimura, to Lonnie Walker, like you're deferring to these guys who are, you know, going to be memorable names for their own individual fan bases, but will get lost over the course of NBA history in all likelihood. Right. Unless they become champions. Yeah. But this is what championship teams do and the character that they have. It's why why they're so lovable for Lakers fans and why they're so hated by like you, a Celtics fan, by many others. Right. Because of that type of character that makes them both lovable and hateable, whereas the Warriors it's the utter opposite. Like you said, it's you can observe it. And it, like the quotes that trickle out of that locker room after that game four, yeah, or that game, Jordan Poole, who's like, you know, opportunity changes. Kaminga last week was talking about it's tough to lock in. It's tough to smile when you don't know if you're getting those minutes and those opportunities. It's like, dude, you're still a young player. Like you got to understand your role and your positioning. In some respects, I get it because, like, you look around the league, and I'm sure some of your friends in your rookie class, they're playing, they're getting better, they're getting opportunities. You're not. Yeah. But at the same time, there is benefits to learning and being part of a championship team like this. You already got a ring. Like, now you're part of this again. Your moment can come just like it came for Lonnie Walker. Like, there could be a moment for Kaminga if you stay ready. Uh, and that's what made that Walker performance so special and why I feel like with this Warriors team, like, yes, Jordan Poole, you played 10 minutes and you're complaining about a lack of opportunity. That's because you failed every time you've gotten those chances. Yeah. I I heard Verno was talking. What did Verno say about being ready for your opportunity? What did, what was the Tony Allen quote? I, uh, I forget the exact quote off the top of my head. Yeah, it's like he, some he, inspiring quote. Yeah, Verno, like some people drop Dr. Seuss or Confucius. Verno drops, drops Tony, Tony Allen. Allen. <laughs> Tony Allen has yeah. a lot of great quotes from him. But uh <laughs> It's funny, like, you know, my son, he played, not to bring my family into this, but my son played high school. He played football and lacrosse, right? And you're younger, the coaches, they might lose trust in you for a game or a week or you missed a practice or you screwed up or whatever. 
and your minutes get yanked around. And it, I'd never really thought of it this way of like, cause my son would start some games and then other games he didn't play that much. And we would talk in the car ride. Like you just, you just gotta be ready. It's weird to just be like, I'm on the sidelines. I don't know if I'm going to play or not. I don't know when I'm coming in, how to, how to lock in, how to concentrate and just how to be ready. And it's almost its own skill, right? Yeah. So when Lonnie Walker, who's barely playing in this series, but he's ready, whatever it is about, like, I don't know whether Darvin Ham's telling him or LeBron's telling him, like, hey, man, your time's going to come and you're ready for it. And he was fucking ready last night. It wasn't just the shots either. Like, I thought he did some really good stuff defensively. He was making the right switches. <laughs> I've never been a big Lonnie Walker fan. Um, but you think about that versus, like, some of the stuff we've seen with the Warriors where... You know, Jordan Poole, 10 minutes last night. Um, Kaminga, I guess they just won't even throw out there anymore, you know. Um, but Moody was the guy who was ready. And Moody ended up, they leaned on him. So you just kind of never know with this stuff. But that's the that's the rub of young players, young people. And as somebody who's been riding in, in the car home every once in a while with my son, like, you know, you think like, that's probably Kaminga, right? On the, yeah. on the phone with uh, his girlfriend coming back on the bus. He didn't play me again. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I should be out there. I could have handled AD. Um, but that's one of many reasons why I wouldn't want to coach a team. It's also the difference between like Moody, who has stayed ready. Like, I mean, I think you can, like, you could, you could criticize Kerr and say, "Well, you can play those guys more over the course of the season and develop them, develop them for those situations." It's also possible those guys, guys just aren't good. You know, Kaminga just might not be ready for that spotlight at all. He was a raw yeah. player coming in out of the G League. He has shown his warts with his opportunities. He's shown his potential on defense, but offensively, he's not there yet. But Moody has not gotten those consistent opportunities. And now that he is, he is, he does look like he's ready for those chances. And like, despite that, you know, hiccup you mentioned at the end of the game, like with under two minutes left, um, besides that, like, I feel like he is flying around on defense, showing his length, crashing the boards. You know, he's hitting some shots, making timely cuts. He feels like a guy who has managed to stay ready throughout. That's the difference between, yeah. you know, him and Kaminga and Poole. Like, Poole, if you're not scoring, you you just got to find other ways to impact the game. And and maybe maybe he just doesn't have that in him. Maybe he just doesn't have that that quality, that, that ability to read uh, the floor on defense and to be in the right place at the right time. It's not like everybody can defend just by trying hard. He just yeah. might not have that. Um but you just you guys still got to find ways to impact the game without scoring, especially when you're playing next to Stephen Curry. The guy that they needed, who was ironically available, was like an Eric Gordon type guy. Yeah, that's well, I was thinking about that last night. Like that that one more shooter, and I guess DiVincenzo technically could be that for him, but it doesn't feel like they 100 trust him. Um, and I'm not positive why, because I think he's had some good moments for them, but for the most part, like that the spacing that he gives them and he kind of knows how to cut and move the ball. But I, I wonder in game six, maybe we'll see him more, but it does feel like this really feels like this tomorrow night could be the end of the line. Well, by the time people yeah. listen to this, it'll be tonight, but this is such a fascinating warriors home game. Cause this could be it, you know? And then you think like clay 43 million, I think for player option, he's taking that. Um, Draymond, who's at 27, whether he decides to re-up or not, but, um, and then whatever the follow, cause you know, there's going to be 
the season's going to end. Brent, what does Brian Curtis call it? The now they told us feature. Yeah. The notebooks yep, that, will empty yep. after this season. Oh, for sure. The Warriors beat has got a lot to empty out. I'm oh, sure. yeah. There's some, <laughs> there's some stuff will be coming out of the vaults. <laughs> I bet. The pool Draymond thing, I, it just feels like there's more meat on that bone. Oh, yeah. In a whole bunch of different ways. Do you think they made there's a mistake? Do you think they made a mistake thinking that that was going to fade away? I think they made a mistake probably paying pool what they did. Um, like that con, I, I, I they think, didn't have to, I mean, yeah, they didn't have to. And I mean, it's not like you can trade Draymond at that point values low. He's one of, he's your energizer. He's your leader. He's still one of the best defensive players in all of basketball. And could you have traded pool? Uh, maybe, but I think that the thing where we disagree with pool, as you say, it went all downhill since the Draymond punch. Is it possible it actually went all downhill last May, last June? His minutes dwindled every single round in the postseason. He's mm. getting 35 minutes per game, then 28, and then 26. And then in the finals, he's playing 14, 15 minutes per game later in the series. He became more and more unplayable round by round last year in the playoffs for Steve Kerr because of these same weaknesses that we're talking about with the streaky shooting, the lack of defense, the sloppy playmaking. I think it all started at last year with the pool decline. And and that's where like they pay him. But people around the league, you know, anybody who covers the game or people who work in the league have been like, eh, maybe this is worth it because with Pool's youth, he's only 23 years old. Maybe he keeps ascending up. But it, that just hasn't happened. And, and I think that all kind of started last year after what looked like a great second half of the year when I thought he was tremendous. He was great to finish the second half of the season. Yeah. Uh, but we haven't seen that for, you know, a year now. It's tough when you're like the rich man's uh, irrational confidence guy, but you've yeah. lost your confidence. It is, it is tough. Man. You can't, like, it, it turns out, I, I checked, you can't be an irrational confidence guy, but not be confident. <laughs> it just doesn't work fundamentally. Does, does that it's just part make of you being irrational? irrationally confident. Yeah, you're, you're, just, you're just, just irrational. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to have the hood o hoodie over, over oh, your head man. just kind of looking glazed. I felt so bad for him last night. I and the know. other thing is, it it you know, Iguodala seems like he's got this outsized importance for them. Um as kind of, I don't even know what he is. He's not a coach because he's still on the roster, but he seems like kind of the the glue guy on the on the bench for the younger players. But for the most part, again, I just felt like I was watching coworkers. And it did feel like that, you know, I just wonder what happens to Curry now because he got his fourth title. It seemed like it was set up for one more run here. And then if it doesn't happen, I'm not really sure what the move is. And they're really handicapped by that clay contract. And I, I don't, know what the move is. is I wish I did. If they do lose, is it are time you, you, to reshuffle everything around? Are you going to blow it up on me? No, 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 no. Cause no, cause Steph is still, you know, even though he's 35 years old, he, he might be better than he's ever been. I mean, he is still a, a spectacular talent. You don't, you're not trading Stephen Curry. You can still win with him. So are, are there ways? They're never to trading Stephen him? Curry. I was no, just like, yeah. how about uh, everything else? Everything else? I, I I said this before they won the title. I'd keep everything on the table, besides Stephen Curry. I, I think you ha that urge you have to have that urgency around Steph with how special he is. And plus, it's California. 
there's a lot of players who would want to come play with Stephen Curry, a lot of great talents who would. And if you bide your time correctly, perhaps you could land one of them through free agency. So if like if you don't want to pay Clay and if you don't want to pay pay Draymond, maybe taking a step back for a year isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, I I think the Warriors need to think you know have a long view there as long as Steph is willing to buy into whatever that plan might be. Rob Williams and Marcus Smart for Draymond and Kaminga. <laughs> Draymond is actually the guy the Celtics need. Everything we talked about earlier. <laughs> I don't know. I was coming would, to, would, I, would Draymond I, and Clutch be happy about going to Boston though? No, they'd throw their bodies yeah, in front of yeah. the uh I was trying to figure out a a Marcus and Rob Williams together package, which by the way, I'd like to celebrate. It's my ninth straight year of going on the trade machine with Marcus Smart and looking around. Uh, I really do like him. I just feel like I actually just want to see him on another team now, like where he's maybe not with the ball most of the time in the biggest spots of the game. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the Warriors do. I do. I would sincerely doubt Draymond's on the team next year because I think that's the only real move you can make by shaking it up. How real is that Dallas thing, Bill? You said Dallas for Draymond about a month yeah, ago. I did. Is that is that like I I just don't like to, like on paper like for like forgetting any intel. It's just the, I just don't see Dallas. I, I don't know. Detroit maybe. I mean, it depends what yeah, he wants. Detroit's right? Four home, rings. Yeah. yeah. Send him home. If Dame stays in Portland, is there a way for him to get there? Maybe there's always been those rumblings of Portland teaming up with Dame. Is there, is there a Cleveland possibility? Cleveland's interesting. I like don't a little, like fit. little Jared Allen. Yeah, like flip those Something guys, else? like some type of trade. How about um? Yeah. I mean, would he want to go to the Lakers? I don't love the fit. LeBron, no, Draymond, you don't need him. Yeah. Sure. They, no, they kind of know who they are with Davis I, and LeBron I, and some small guys. I agree. Guys. I totally yeah. agree. But like you know, the clutch factor. Perhaps they could push Clippers. For that. Maybe Clippers would would be interesting. There's not a lot. Yeah. Of, how about Phoenix? Phoenix, like they, they're miss. I mean, if KD and Draymond could they get together again, reunite? So an Aiton thing? Would you? Would you? Yeah, an Aiton thing. Would you bite on Aiton? Oh, I'd get rid of him. Would you bite on Aiton? If I'm Golden State, but if you're another team, if you're another team, no, no, I don't think he's no. Good. Just a no. just a strong no. No, I don't think Aiton's good. I mean, the, the, he say he said it before his career began. My goal is to get to my second contract and everything he's proven since that, that he wasn't lying. I mean, defensively, the level of effort and focus is not what it was prior. You compare this version of Aiton to their their run to the finals, it's like a totally different guy. And, and that's so disappointing to see because of the potential that he has. And and also, I think at this point, like when I, ta- when I interviewed James Jones for an article about the Suns maybe two years ago, three years ago, I don't remember when it was exactly, but he's like, you know, for Aiton, we need him to be patient with his offensive development. But someday, as our as Chris Paul ages and these guys get older, we're going to need yeah. him to be more of a post presence and have him need to be more of a three point shooter. He has not getting gotten better as a post presence. He's not gotten better as a three point shooter. He's not gotten better as a passer. So for Aiton at this point, you know, with the money he's making, I, I wouldn't want to bet on him if I'm another team at all. So no, next. Mitchell Robinson and and the Fournier expiring. Oh, for Draymond? No, for uh, Aiton. Oh, hell no. If you're the Knicks now? No. 
Yeah, I went through the possible eight teams and I kind of ran out of teams pretty fast. Yeah. I don't it's know. tough to pay somebody thirty million. Maybe it'll be maybe it'll be eight and for Jordan Poole. <laughs> I mean eight I mean eight and in that Warriors offense. Uh good luck, man. Uh, I would hope it works wow, out, you're for him out. with them. I mean, I, look, I used to I used to be one of Aiton's only supporters. I love I liked Aiton in the early days. I was like, oh yeah, he's making progress. On defense, this is different than the guy we saw at Arizona. Saruti won't take him in Orlando. I don't know who's he, left. How about Memphis? Dallas? Uh, he needs he needs somebody. The secret in Phoenix, what I heard for years was that Booker knew the buttons to push with Aiton to mm. keep him motivated, to keep him hustling and focused and trying hard. I think that everything's run out. The relationship with Monty Williams has frayed. I think everything that used to work has lost its power. So he needs somebody that can continue to push him and motivate him. Maybe a Luca in Dallas, somebody like that. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it, you know it's somebody, an assistant coach, whoever it might be. I, I think that's what he needs. And like that, a fresh start could be good for him. Despite everything I'm saying, I think he needs a fresh start uh, outside yeah. of Phoenix. I just don't know where that is, what team I'd feel super comfortable with, considering everything that he said pre-career and everything we've seen since he signed that deal. Well, if the Celtics do trade Marcus Smart, I promise you about two months into the next season when they don't have him anymore, I'm going to be like, God damn it, I love Marcus <laughs> Smart. Why'd they trade him? <laughs> Marcus is really that type of guy. I love that guy. guy. I really miss him. <laughs> I know. Mar- Marcus is that type. I mean, he like he's so frustrating at times, but he's just got something about him. I do him. love he's that the, guy. He's got I that wish they could factor. send him. A, remember they used to talk about Hakeem Big Man Camp? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they did send people down yeah. there for three days. I wish, Have him post up? No, I wish they could send him to Kyle Lowry Camp. And Kyle Lowry mm. can just teach him like these extra little things to do to assert your like weird presence on a game. Cause Marcus is like 85% there, but yeah. there's still like Lowry has that one extra, like crazy aggro alpha piece like that. He unleashed on the Knicks in the second half of game one where he's just all over the place. Like PJ Tucker has it too. That that's like the, I just wanted to go to a camp to learn that just where, where the Philly, everyone on the Philly team is mad on him, mad at, mad at him for four games of a playoff series. Cause he, it's weird. He he does the flopping stuff. He's he's he'll get in, but he's like actually a really respectful player. He just does a lot of chicanery, but I don't think he's like a dirty player. Do you? No, I don't think he's dirty necessarily. He just flops. I way wish the too Celtics much. had a dirty player. I mean, you gotta have a dirty player. Yeah, we need a dirty player. PJ Tucker. How many how many little things has he done in this series? Like he's always like, oh. Somebody just got sent flying. I wonder who that was. They'll show the replay. It's like, oh, it's because P.J. Tucker sent him flying. I respect it. All right, KOC. I'm glad we talked this out. We will see uh, what happens. When are, when's the next mismatch for you? Uh, we're recording Thursday night. Thursday night. So that's uh, after these game fives of Philly, Boston, and or game sixes. Philly, Boston, and Phoenix, Denver. Game sixes. And if you've missed Beyond the Arc, his, uh, his show that we've been running on FanDuel TV, you can also see it on the Through the Ringer video podcast. It's a special yes. podcast we have that's just videos and we've been doing great stuff. You like the set? I keep bringing stuff for the set. Yeah, the set's looking better. We, we have some basketball looking, stuff, some balls and whatnot. Yeah, I got I to bring some stuff strong. in as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the set's looking um, good. It, it'll, we're we're going to build week by week. Going to keep getting better. All right, this podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton and Steve Cerruti as well. Uh, this will be Kyle's last podcast because his bachelor party is this weekend and he's probably, <laughs> we're probably never going to see him again. <laughs> I don't know 
Will we see him next week? I don't know. 50-50. Does FanDuel have odds? <laughs> Let me look. Oh, FanDuel says 50-50. We see Kyle ever again after his bachelor party. I'm really Is that why nervous. you're rehiring Tate, Bill? Just in case we're back up for Kyle? <laughs> Just, Tate's going to do double duty. I only trust him and Kyle. Um, all right. Uh, Cassie, good luck with the uh, rest of the pods and the shows. And I will see everybody on Thursday on this feed. Hopefully I won't be distraught. <laughs>